0: you're now in the huddle with coach calls time out the podcast that dissects the mind of a different basketball coach every episode we uncover what makes them successful and how their story translates to your coaching journey let's unlock your team's potential together Hey, it's Dan Jonker here. Welcome to episode 3 of the Coach Calls Timeout podcast. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our basketball coaching resource, CoachCallsTimeout.com. We have tons of plays and drills in video format ready to be downloaded directly to your laptop, phone, or tablet. We also have articles filled with insights, tips, and philosophies to help you along your coaching journey. Check it out at CoachCallsTimeout.com. This episode follows the same footprint as episode 2 we have another Coaching Roundtable discussion to share. This time it spans across Canada with three very successful college coaches. Our resident coach Brian Jonker was with his team in Alberta for the National College Championships. Before the tournament started, he was able to sit down with three of the coaches in the tournament to talk about their coaching journeys, share some stories, and handle our full-court press questions. There's actually an exciting announcement to make. One of the coaches in this episode, Mike Connolly of the Nate Ooks, won the national championship that weekend. Congratulations, coach. Let's get right to it.
1: Welcome to Coach Calls Time Out. Brian Jonker here hosting tonight a special roundtable at the CCA Championships, the Canadian College Athletic Association Championships. Fortunate enough to be here tonight. Uh, or this week, with my team, Mohawk College, from Hamilton, Ontario. But really fortunate tonight to be with uh, three coaches from all across Canada. To my left, Josh Whitty from Holland College out in Prince Edward Island. Josh is in his uh, third year with Holland. He was just named tonight the CCA Coach of the Year, so congratulations to Josh. Um, he's won three straight championships out in the ACA, ACAA. Across from me is uh, Matt Kuzminski from VIU. Uh, Matt has also been a former winner of the Coach of the Year in the CCAA, and he has also won a national championship in Montreal three years ago, Matt. And to my right is the veteran of the group, Mike Conley. He's been all across Canada and coached in the CIS and also in the CCAA, and he's currently the head coach of the Nate Ukes, who we happen to play tomorrow night in the first round of this tournament. Um, but Mike's in his third year at, at Nate, and uh, today we're just going to talk a little bit of coaching, a little bit of experiences, and a little bit of how things are basically right across the country. We've got representation from Prince Edward Island, from Alberta, and from uh, British Columbia. So we got a little flavor of, of Canadian college basketball tonight. Let's start. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. How did you get into coaching? Uh, my experience was actually a little interesting. Well, I started as an assistant coach with Mark Simpson at Dover Bay. And then the VIU job was open and they were searching for applicants. And I always got pushed by some friends and mostly my mother. She said, apply. And, you know, she always thinks I can do anything. Uh, so I ended up applying as a 26-year-old guy with very limited experience and was fortunate enough to get the job. So when I did get the job, it was a learn-on-the-fly situation and still kind of is. But I got going right away and I was fortunate enough to have a fairly solid returning crew uh, and then landed some new recruits and then just went off from there. So at 26, you were the head coach at VIU. Had you coached? I know you had, you had played and, and probably had recently finished playing, uh, but had you coached at any level before you had gotten the VIU job? I coached grade eight in the year I took off between Ubik and Simon Fraser. And then I coached as an assistant coach for one year with Mark Simpson of the Dover Bay Senior Boys team. I think I was really fortunate as a player to have great coaches, Craig Bolkamp, Mark Simpson, Scott Clark, uh, as well as a number of other guys that helped me along the way. Um, but, yeah, my experience was limited. That's a pretty amazing story, actually, to go from grade 8 to, to winning a national championship in the CCA. Mm. Josh, how did you get
2: started? I started coaching right after I finished playing. Um, even when I was playing, I was coaching the summer. I did provincial teams on P.I., been fortunate that PI is a small place, so I've been given lots of opportunity at a young age to get involved and, and do some work with some good coaches. So, started coaching, uh, junior high, and then moved up to the high school that I played at, and then, uh, I was playing at Holland College. First year we had a team. Went from playing to an assistant coach with George Morrison, and it was his assistant for five years, and then took over for him.
1: And Mike, you've got a little bit more, uh, storied past than, uh, the two younger
3: guys at the table here. Yeah, um, I, you know, graduated from Lakehead University as a player in 89 and I started coaching high school up there. And then I got involved with the summer provincial teams with, uh, JDP and the MDP in Ontario. And then I moved back to Coburg where I'm from Southern Ontario and I started coaching there. And then in 92 was fortunate enough to win the Ontario summer games, uh, with our, our region. And, uh, Ken Olenek, I wanted to move up and he came talk to me and to start being assistant with him at U of T. So I started there in 92 and then it was like, well, 94, I was like, okay, I think I really want to do this for a career. And he said to me, you got to get prepared because I think you need to go out to the University of Victoria and do your master's and do the National Coaching Institute. And I was out there and I got to work with Guy Vitry and mentored under Ken Shields. And then I had some opportunities to work with some summer programs, national teams, be around, hanging out, uh, picking some picking up your jerseys and doing whatever I had to do. And then... I lucked out and got the medicine hat job and was there for two years. And after that, went to the U of L and then came up here to Keanu to start a new team. And then now I'm at Nate. So you've, uh,
1: I mean, you've, you've mentioned some big names in there, um, as mentors. I mean, you, Shields, Tree, Olenek. I mean, those are some of the bigger names in Canadian university basketball. Anyone in particular that sticks out as more of a mentor than another? Did you spend more time
3: with any one person than a, than anyone else, or did somebody affect you? I think Ken Olenek kind of—he's uh, probably—I still talk to him all the time. I mean, I still talk to Ken Shields, but Ken Olenek kind of was a is a mixture of Vietz and Shields together. He's a little bit more relaxed, uh, still gets upset and stuff, but he's he's a little bit more relaxed and kind of did a better job of of the whole profession as a whole. Um And then, you know, being at Vic with Ken Shields, not only did I learn the X's and O's, but I think I learned how to be a professional coach. Just how to handle things, how your team acts. You know, he's pretty hard about that stuff. Got me upset my first day there when I was wearing jeans and <laughs> and stuff like that. So I think, but, and I still talk to him every day. Like he, he gave me a hack email when we played in the conference final. He, we gave up 69 points and he was all over me because he said he counted, we should only give up 55 and he named all the plays where they shouldn't have scored on us. So it still kind of haunts me every once in a while. And I mean, you know, the Simpson came from him. And so it's, they're pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty task orientated. That's
1: for sure. And Matt with, uh, with your limited experience before getting the VIU job, um, is there anyone maybe more from a playing standpoint that you would have looked at as a coaching mentor or, or, I mean, you talked about learning on the fly. Was it really all on the fly? Yeah, it was really learning on the fly. I mean, uh, my mentor would definitely have to be Mark Simpson. I mean, he did so much for me as a player, coached me from grade 11, grade 12, uh, throughout all the summers of my university career, uh, helped me with development there. And then as soon as I got the coaching job, you know, he opened up his resource library, which is very extensive to me. Um, we talk every weekend, uh, you know, about how my games went, still get a lot of advice from him. So, He's under the Ken Shields coaching tree as well, and he's, you know, very task-oriented, detail-oriented. Um, so I learned a lot from him in that regard. And then a lot of it was, you know, the guys I coach with, the assistant coaches I have, they've been they've been with me every year, and you know, we've we've gone through learning processes together. And um, you know, even the youngest guy, Avneet, who is twenty-three, twenty-four years old, he's a very driven learner. And he's always coming up with new ideas and into new resources. So, yeah, those are guys, those guys have been big for me. Josh, do you have a mentor?
2: Well, I mentioned earlier that I got to coach George Morrison. He's something of a coaching legend in the East Coast. And uh, the Morrison name is pretty synonymous with basketball. The, uh, George coached UPI for 17 years, started the Holland College program from the ground up. I got to play for him and then coach with him after that. So, uh I was fortunate to get to work with him, and of course, his son Scott is an excellent coach as well. Coached at Mike's alma mater there at Lakehead, and now is the main Red Claws head coach. So, yeah, no, George was a, a great coach for me to learn from. And, and uh, I, I share Matt's sentiment there about my assistant coaches. We have a, a really good group of assistant coaches Dale McIsaac, who's a very experienced guy who played in the CIS years ago, and uh, Ryan Lachlan, who's a local high school coach, that jumped on board with us right away. So, so um
1: both Matt and Josh have had a lot of success early in their coaching. Some of us have had to lose a few more games here and there to get where we've got. But obviously, everybody at this table who is here for a reason. So we've got some successful programs and some quality teams that are here this week. Mike, has there been times where you've, you've doubted your style or your, your thinking behind coaching? Or has there been situations where you've struggled with and had to find a way to get through with the,
3: the types of teams that you've had? I, I never doubted. I mean, I think because you're always evolving and you're always trying to find ways. Um, I think it's, fr- you can get frustrated. I think there's a difference. Um, but I think it just, you know, like it's, it's someone's winning and someone's losing every game. You know what I mean? And I think, just think it's chances and odds. And, and sometimes some people have a little bit more luck, you know, whether it's recruiting, whether it's, you know, ball bounces here and there. I think you earn your luck, but, um, I never really got down about it because I enjoy the process, right? You know, and I think as long as you're winning more games and you're losing, and then you shouldn't be judged on, on who, if you've won a national championship or not. You know, I think a classic example is Peter, Peter Campbell, never really won a national championship, taking teams to nationals, always has a competitive program. And I don't think you can slag him for that. He's not one of our, our good coaches in Canada. Um, but I think that, you know, it's not only so many people can win and lose. And I think we get hung up on that. And I don't know, I think there's a lot of guys out there that coach and have winning records and do some good things. And maybe they just don't win the big game every once in a while. Maybe with, you know, I guess as you get older and you keep coaching too, it's odds are it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, if, you stay,
1: if you stay in there long enough and you keep bringing in good kids, eventually, yeah. hopefully you, if you get to the nationals enough, hopefully you're knocking on the door and one of these days you're going to fall into one, right? Yeah, but that's right. It's, uh, you yeah, uh, it's, it's complicated. That's yeah. for sure. Um, Matt, you've got guys. I mean, you're you're early into the process, but recruiting. How have you found recruiting? Because for the CCA, for for some of the listeners, if you're not involved in in Canadian College uh, Athletic Association, our recruiting is probably more complicated than at any level. I mean, we're we don't necessarily turn out to be people's first choices in a lot of cases. Um, a lot of the kids these days think they're going D one, and then Maybe the CIS, and nowadays it's prep school and JUCOs too, and then, hey, if it doesn't work out, we'll give you a call back, you know, and beg one day. But how, how have you found the recruiting scene? And, uh, uh, it's uh you know, it, it's been interesting, and it's not always something I love recruiting, but typically, or particularly with the high school kids, like you said, we are not usually the first choice, um, and being so close to UVic, you know, if anyone, if UVic wants them, they're going to probably get them over us. Um But for us, we try to get local guys who have potential and who love the game. Uh, because we spend a lot of time in the summer and the off season, uh, as well as during season, hopefully developing guys that might not necessarily play for us for the first couple of years, but by third, fourth, fifth year, they're going to be quality players. And you see that on our roster now. Um, you know, local guys like Jared Dorby, Jason Ford, and Bryson Cox are all guys who, you know, started off as raw. Uh, players but have committed to getting better and now they're starters on our team um, all-stars in the division and then as far as you know outside of that we have three international spots and we just try to bring in impact guys uh, a lot of times guys who are having a second or third chance because of whatever circumstances but i feel like we have a culture at biu and you know our relationship that we build with players as coaches uh that we can bring in guys who come from different backgrounds, have different circumstances that they come from, and we were able to fit them in our team. We've been successful with that so far. Josh, we were talking, you and I, um, outside of the podcast earlier tonight, about recruiting. And in particular, I think in an earlier interview today, you were asked about um, your Bohemian kids. Am I saying that right? Kids from the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. And your your school has an interesting relationship with the Bahamas. Can you explain a little bit about that and how that works?
2: Yeah, uh, strategically, our International Student recruitment Office has targeted the Caribbean as a, as a location where uh, we've got some attractive programs, for students in that area. Um, so uh, Jeff Walker, who's our International Student recruitment Manager, actually goes physically to the Bahamas a couple times a year on recruitment trips. And that has led to a really big, bohemian student population on campus. And for years before we had athletics, that was always the number one question was, you yeah, have football, and have basketball. Have what can we do there? We didn't have anything. So when they started athletics, that was really the key idea behind athletics: was this will help us attract more students. And our, uh, you know, we're a relatively small school. We've got 2,500 students, and that enrollment increased every year since we've gotten athletics. But the Bohemian pipeline has has sort of uh, paid off dividends on the, on the basketball court, and our football team is full of Bohemians, and our baseball team, and so on and so forth.
1: So in the CCA, we're allowed three international students on our teams. You could field a team of Bohemians if if we were allowed to, I guess. Yeah,
2: thirty of the tribes every year.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: wow. Mike, what about you? Recruiting? Um, we've kind of mixed it up. Also, I think you know we go into Edmonton. We've got we've got a system right now we got going where we're recruiting young kids to redshirt, and and then like we have five kids, local city kids that are working hard, lots of potential. And they're not playing this weekend, and up there won't dress. And then next year, we graduate four guys. They'll move in, and we'll recruit recruit to that. And then we follow the same thing about the three imports that we want to get impact players, and that's going to help you to grow. Now we also have a line. We have a good relationship with uh, the U of A. Uh, Barnaby was one of my assistants at U of L, and so there's kids that maybe he can't get into school that he wants. We look at that. We help him out that way, and we'll do we'll do that kind of transition. And we've been fortunate enough because. I got Donnie Moss through Morrison because if he was going to go through to Lake, to Lakehead for the NBA and we have an NBA and a banking program. So he ended up coming to us. And then from him, he, like I said today, he's the guy that's been getting all our recruits for them. We have connections over my years. I've lots of connections with people. So getting the internationals for me and getting some of that is not really that difficult. We have lots of opportunities. Lots just of international people looking to play. Yeah. And just even across the states, I have friends that are coaching JUCOs and coaching here from my university days because we'd still bring in a couple of kids coming up, but. Right now, we're trying to follow the formula, kind uh, of what, what, uh, Matt said is that we want to bring in young local kids and develop them. And we run skills all summer and do that too. You know, on those five kids that are sitting on our bench will, you know, we've got all those positions ready to go and they'll step in and, you know, they won't start, but they'll start developing. And then by their third year, they'll be a big part of it. And we should be recruiting to our red shirts. That's going to be our philosophy for a while to get that done. And I uh, know always keep our imports, but our imports, we, they've got three and five years, four years eligibility left, so we'll have them for a while too.
1: When you talk to coaches, high school coaches, or even athletes themselves in high school, one of the big questions I always get is, well, what, tell, tell my kids, what do you look for when you come to recruit? What, what do you guys look for, Matt? Well, I think we look for, you know, probably a lot of things that all coaches do, athleticism and some skill, but the, the big things I look for on top of that is, does the kid is the kid competitive? So I look for when I'm watching them, you know, how they're playing on defense. Are they in stands? Are they communicating is a big thing for us. Uh, how do they interact with their teammates? Um, and then when I talk to the coaches, I, I've, one of the first questions I'll ask is, you know, what kind of player person are they? Are they gym rat? So a big thing for us because if we're going to get a local guy, they got to be, they got to have some love for the game so that they can get better. So that's right up there. Obviously, there's questions about what they are as a student. Um, and then for our American players, it's a little different because we have such a small budget. We can't always afford to bring them up for visits. So it's technologies help. We can see a lot of video. We can FaceTime with them. Um, but other than that, you, you're sort of rolling the dice. A bit. It's worked out
3: well for us so far. But
1: Anything on top of that mic that you look for?
3: <laughs> Guys with long arms. Length yeah. is always... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's true. It's, it's one very of the first true. Thing right? I, you walk in the gym, I'm like, oh, that guy's yeah. long. I look at him and I kind of look at the same thing. You know, how do they compete? How do they get after it? You know, how are they playing defense? Stuff like that. And do they love the game? Because I always say to a kid, you got to love the game. And They look at me, oh, I love the game. No, you really have to love the game because there's days you're going to hate me. Mm-hmm. And the days that you hate me, the more that you love the game, you'll get through it. And you'll come back. Yeah, and that's, I think that's a big thing. And you know. I think we underestimate toughness and resiliency in kids. And I think that when you look at that, you got a kid that's resilient and tough that won't give up, keep battling, keep playing. You can go places with that kid. Yeah.
1: Josh?
2: Yeah, I certainly echo a lot of things that were said by the other coaches there. One of the things that we look at now is versatility. You know, kind of guard rebound, kind of forward, put the ball on the floor. And those are skills that, like, with our roster right now, it's not even like I made a joke about point guards earlier, but. Like we just have guards and forwards. There's not really a position breakdown anymore for us. So, versatility is a big one. We've got lots of guys that are interchangeable, and that's what we're looking for.
1: I think, too, the way we talked about recruiting and, and us being kind of the second choice to everybody, I think as coaches, if if we can't adapt, yeah, you know, you're ahead. not going to have the same kind of team that you always want to have. Yeah. Uh, we're very different than we were last year. We, we were yeah. big last year. Now we're small. Um but I, two, two things that we look for with length is, is for sure one. And I always look for body language too. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in Huge. how a guy reacts to a bad call or mm-hmm. being taken out of a game. Does he pull his shirt out of his yep. shorts and go sit at the end of the bench? You know, all those types of little things. And I think players don't realize how much coaches sit and actually watch that stuff mm-hmm.
3: when they're at games. But, um, I think as we get older, we look at those things. I think it as, uh, you know, I'll be the first to admit it. Like, you know, we had a, decent year but it was also pain in the ass year last year you know and and i think that you know as i get older i look at like i just don't want to deal with that crap anymore do you know what i mean and and you know you think about it and now it's kind of you kind of get solidified in what you're doing i'm not saying we get stuck in our ways like i agree i think we wrote we fix from big to small and we adapt to what we have but i just know for me it's just like i just don't want to deal if you, i want to walk the best time is when you close the gym doors you work with your guys yeah i don't, I don't care about the games and playing in this like you know, I yeah, we love to, but I mean, for me, if what I enjoy is close the door, and we're trying to get better, and we can be honest with each other, and we can get after it, and we can do things, and when you see that growth and development, if you got kids that want to do that every time they step in, then it's enjoyable, and that's the thing I can take over the years. And it doesn't always hit you early; it hits you later. But I just, right now, I don't mind having kids that will make silly mistakes and do stupid things. I just don't, won't don't want to take any bad people. That's anymore.
1: That's exactly. It took me five years to figure that out. Yeah. I. I spent the first five years chasing any guy that could really play without considering how they fit in character-wise, and we weren't successful. And six years ago, we made a conscious effort to say we're going to recruit good people. Yep. Good people, good support at home, good families, interested in school, and by no coincidence, we're sitting here for the third time in five years. Uh You know, it's... Good people get you a long way. I think you have to get burned to learn, almost. Yep. isn't that the truth? Oh, yeah. it is. You know, and I, I totally agree with what you guys are saying. And we've had some instances where we've had you know players who didn't necessarily fit. The thing I find too is, and we talked about it with being a full time teacher, a coach, uh, just having the one year old kid now. The having good guys makes this job oh. you can maintain because this year I've been. With all that stuff it, it's drained and like whatever happens this weekend come Sunday we get some free time some family time like that's a good thing yeah um, but having good quality guys where you don't have to worry about them uh, you know and the guys you know are gonna do the right thing for your program it it's huge I think makes a big difference
2: yeah just a, a math point there uh, we' having good guys and having a family I've got a six-year-old son who's now old enough to be around the team all the time he just idolizes the guys and so it really helps when you know your kids in the living room pretending to be one of them that you know that's a really good kid and that makes a huge difference and, and we're there now i don't know that we were always there
1: all right let's uh, let's wrap this up we're going to do a little quick thing um that we call full court press and all i'm looking for is one word answers really short answers defense. we'll start with matt offense or defense defense Defense. Mike, <laughs> offense. Sorry, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> Curry it's our mentors. There you go. Yeah. Matt, Curry, or LeBron. Curry,
3: Curry, Curry.
1: You're up three. Other team's got the ball. Five seconds. Are you fouling? Yep.
2: No. No.
1: All right. You got one player to coach all time history of basketball. Who do you want to coach? Larry Bird. Magic
3: Johnson. Come on, Mike. I know. I'm so old. (laughs) I I can think about, I love coaching him, but I could think of, uh, I don't, yeah, I got to say Larry, maybe. All right. Are are you a reader or a movie guy? Matt?
1: Reader. Uh, Both. 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 Okay, and let's follow up then. Give me a resource or a movie or a book that you'd recommend uh, coaching. Or something you'd show your kids? Uh A book that's had a huge impact on me that I've used with my teams and I think would be good to show the kids too, Energy Bus by John Gordon. <laughs> Let's just read it on the way. On the plane.
3: Best coaching book I ever read was Del Harris's Winning Defense. Ten Ways to Play the Ball Screen Defense.
2: I like wow. Toughness by Billis. I hear everybody's probably read that <laughs> yeah, book. It's
3: yeah, very good. Um, FIBA or Federation Rules? Matt?
1: I'll just go with FIBA. That's what
3: I know. I'm coming around to FIBA. I was Federation and anti, but I think the last three years, I'm coming around to FIBA.
1: All right. Well, guys, I really appreciate the time you spent tonight, and uh, I wish you all the best of luck, uh, unless you're playing us. It should be a fun weekend anyways, and I really enjoyed the time. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah,
0: thanks. So there you have it, a Nationwide Coaching Roundtable. I'd love to know what you think. Leave us a comment on the show notes page at coachcallstimeout.com slash three. That's the number three. One of the most interesting discoveries we make doing this podcast is how different everyone's path is to end up in a similar place, which is coaching elite level basketball. There's a common ground that these coaches shared. They surrounded themselves with good people, whether it's through mentors or their players. All three of the coaches in this episode were competing for a national title thanks to the support systems that they've developed. Again, congratulations to Coach Connolly of the Nate Oaks, who got to cut down the nets at the end of the national championship tournament. Our next podcast episode is with a young coach, Kennold Knight, who just finished his first season at Hill Academy, an Ontario prep school, and he's also the director of Uplay, one of the more successful AAU programs in Ontario. In our discussion, we'll explore the AAU and prep school scene in Canada. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us get noticed by iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe or leave us a review. Reviews go a long way in helping others find us. You can also go to the show notes page and share it on social media, coachcallstimeout.com slash three. I've also put a link on that page to our newest article about the range of emotions that come with ending the season. I think you'll really like it. Thanks for all your support. We're really enjoying doing this podcast, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks.